1: Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
2: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Week three of the NFL season begins tonight here. And fantasy football, people, you got to get ready because tonight... Probably have to set some lineups, especially if you have players on the Carolina Panthers and Houston Texans. Craig Bish, along with Davis Maddock, a two-hour ride of fantasy sports talk, wagering sports talk, Ryder Cup preview, college football as well. Davis, uh, another week we are back here helping you win at fantasy, no doubt. I just got a call right before the show. Somebody told me I won $3 million and I just have to you know, send some money to someone. I was thinking about retiring. And not even doing the show today. It seems so, like such an intriguing call just before the show, but I decided, let's just go ahead and do the show. And I told the gentleman who told me I won the three million, I'll call him back later.
4: Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, you decided to at least push through one last show with me yeah. here on uh, on Sports Grid. You know, I, I certainly if I won three million dollars if someone called me and told me that i had three million dollars i i probably would have emailed greg sussman and told him that he would have had to find me a replacement because i would be uh tenuring my resignation at sports grid tv and uh becoming a full-time nft influencer after that so i uh i'm I'm glad to know that you're that you're hanging in there with me
3: hanging in there yeah i mean i i have to get some nft advice from you probably here i still have not taken that leap yet but uh nonetheless maybe uh a time for another show let's get to our headlines here on the program of course uh rocked and, and, and ready to go here for thursday night football the panthers looking to go three and oh and the line tells you there's a pretty decent shot houston is one-on-one on the season but they are two and oh against the spread the st louis cardinals i mean they got to be postseason bound at this point point. 11 straight wins with davis's best friend john lester just having an unbelievable second half it is crazy the Rays clinch a postseason berth. They're going to clinch the division most likely this weekend. Also scuffling with the Blue Jays a little bit over uh, a card that was left on the ground by one of the catchers. And Kevin Kiermeyer picked it up and got thrown at yesterday. So kind of crazy there. And uh, and Davis, the Minnesota Timberwolves in an interesting move. They uh, they let go of their team president. And so you are very much more qualified to speak about this than, than I am. I feel like the Timberwolves are just constantly grinding new uh, members of their organization I mean I I, I go back I, I think to like Kevin McHale. I remember those days where he was president and then he was coach and then he was gone and seems like a never-ending cycle here what was the reasoning behind that
4: so I uh, I don't want to um, I, I don't want to overextend my bit it sounds like it was maybe a, a personal thing inside of the organization like it, it doesn't sound like they fired. Uh, Gershon Rojas because they thought he was doing a bad job uh, of of being the general manager of the team. It, it sounds like, from what I can intimate, that it was like a like a human interpersonal mm-hmm. thing that uh, that occurred inside of the Timberwolves front office. Again, I'm not breaking any news. I'm not confirming that. Uh, I I am not. Uh, I'm not a journalist. But that is the 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 rumors out there. Right? NBA Twitter loves to get on the rumors, and that is the that is the rumor on. NBA Twitter, so I'm neither confirming nor denying that. I'm just passing on the rumblings that I'm hearing.
3: Okay, uh, how did your waiver wire go in fantasy? Any uh, any interesting ads drops? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing. I mean, I, I wish there was some wood to knock on here. This is like the best start I've ever gotten off to with, with some of these guys that I got. Um, I was not active. I'm, I probably should be. I, I think I've, I think I'm making the mistake a novice fantasy owner makes by not uh, making moves. I only picked up uh, one player. Uh, this week and and I and I keep forgetting his name the Cincinnati running back he's got he's he's pictured in a, a Cincinnati jersey but he's now on San Francisco the running back
4: jocks patrick is uh is the guy that yeah. you are thinking of he was uh he was the third leading rusher in the xfl he went to florida state university it was a pretty bad week on the waiver wire you know basically basically no uh, i i would be surprised if there was anyone out there who on average went for you know over 15 percent of a budget we got guys like kj osborne who were getting claimed you know we have cedric wilson leagues where he wasn't claimed last week but I, I don't believe I spent over 10% of my budget on any player this week across all the leagues that I'm doing. The guy I added the most was the guy you just mentioned, Jox Patrick. Elijah Mitchell did not practice on Wednesday. He's listed as questionable for the Sunday afternoon game for the San Francisco 49ers. If Mitchell doesn't play, we know Hasty is out. We know Mozart's right. out. We know Jeff Wilson Jr. is out. We don't really have clarity on what they plan to do with Trey Sermon, who also, by the way, is injured. Now, he practiced on Wednesday, and Kyle Shanahan said he thinks he's going to be ready to play, but that, I mean, look, Kyle Shanahan says a lot of things, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure if I believe him. I would imagine that even if if Sermon is healthy, Elijah Mitchell is out and Hasty is out, that Patrick probably comes in as the second running back there. Now, he is not an athlete, four seven four forty you know, uh, was never had over 200 touches in the season at Florida State. But we know these running backs in San Francisco, I mean, Raheem Moser was on four practice squads, four practice squads before he broke out with the 49ers. So so guys can just make it in San Francisco. So if, if Patrick is still out there in your league, I do think he is worth a claim at this point.
3: Yeah, I thought I saw uh, one of the San Francisco writers saying that they may move a, a receiver to running back this week. I, I don't I don't know where I saw that. I'm going to have to go back and check that. But uh, nonetheless, that is the guy that I got for a buck um, in one of my leagues. We'll just stash him and see what happens. I mean, I think that's the preemptive thing to do right now in fantasy, especially a running back for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, the Ryder Cup about to get started. We got Davis in the house to break that down. And, of course, uh, we'll talk some college football here on the show. We'll preview tonight's game, the Panthers and Texans, with Antoine Staley, who covers the Carolina Panthers. So stay on the grid. We're just getting
5: started.
3: It's now time to take a look at the Ryder Cup and, uh, you know, certainly Davis, uh, exciting time for everybody having all these sports going on at once. Um, You know, I I think that people know what the Ryder Cup is. There's a good chance that people like myself have never bet on it. So let's kind of go through this here a little bit and talk about how you bet the, the players and certainly how you bet the countries and all of that
4: so the way that the ryder cup works is that uh the action on friday and saturday consists of two four match sessions per day the morning session on friday and saturday are foursomes with alternate shot so you know patrick reed hits and then john rom hits or however uh they uh they end up doing it the afternoon session friday and saturday is four ball so each member of the two-man team plays their own ball on sunday the third and final day of the competition all 24 players on each team face off in singles matches, all worth one team point. The first team to 14 and a half points wins the Ryder Cup. That that might sound a little convoluted, but basically, it's they first they play best ball in foursomes, then they play. Uh, well, no, so they play scramble, then they play best ball, then they do single matches. That's a very easy way to think about it. Uh, in terms of betting on it when we uh so right now you and i are talking about this on thursday and we don't know who's going out right we don't know who the captains are picking you know we don't know are brooks and bryson gonna play together are are john rom and sergio garcia gonna play together what are the foursomes gonna be what are the singles matches gonna be the morning of each of those rounds we are gonna yeah. know And as soon as those are available, our friends over at the FanDuel Sportsbook are going to post matches for those. And of course, you can use the betting tools over at DailyRoto.com to get an idea of what you might want to wager on those. I I think it's kind of just fun to not not ignore the math, but just kind of use some gut feel, right? Some guys are really good in the match play, right? Patrick Reed, historically, this incredible match play player, not necessarily like a truly great player on the pga tour ian poulter for the european same thing you know ian poulter's like the 80th best player in the world but i believe he's never lost um a Ryder cup match you know just some of these guys really get up the interesting thing that you're gonna see is that the united states is a huge favorite they are minus 190 to win this event europe is plus 220 to win this event and when we look over the teams here in a second we'll see why that is also because of the way the scoring works it is possible for there to be a tie the interesting thing though is that europe has absolutely dominated dominated the ryder cup uh for for uh quite a while you know we have just seen we have just seen them be so much better right europe won uh in 2018 The United States won at Hazeltine in 2016, but Europe won uh, the four before that. In fact, the United States only has two wins in the Ryder Cup since uh, the beginning of the 2000s, which seems insane, right? Because the United States basically has the best players in the world. Um, And I I would view that more fluky than anything else. Like, that's not really something I would take into my priors. But there are people who really do believe in that stuff. Like, you'll, you'll hear a lot of coverage this week from people who are really into golf. They're like, look, the the market is actually underrating the European Ryder Cup team, which I, I don't really buy into.
3: Okay. Well, let's take a look at some of the uh, Team USA automatic qualifiers. We have Morikama, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, and Brooks Kepka. would be fun if, if those two, as you mentioned, were paired up. Uh, Justin Thomas, and then the name that everybody, of course, should have their eye on uh, coming up here. Davis is Patrick Cantley who's had such a dominant season.
4: Yeah. Patrick Cantley has had a dominant season and I don't know if people got a chance to, you know, listen to any of the Ryder cup, um, you know, in- interviews or anything like that. But Patrick Cantley gave basically like the, uh, the, the answer of the year, you know, one of the guys from the media pool asked him, uh, I I'm going to ask you, why do you think Europe keeps winning this thing? And basically he gave a huge in-depth analysis of how gambling and probability actually works, um, which you, you do not expect from an athlete. But you know we see this all the time in sports. A team that is 40% to win a game in the NFL you know, wins a game, and people act like it's the upset of the year. But things that are 60-40 probability, those are just a little bit better than a coin flip, and you should expect upsets of the 60-40 variety to happen all the time. And that's basically what the odds are for this, right? If you take, if you take out the tie possibility, it's, it's basically a 60-40 between the United States and Europe. And so what Cantley said is these matches are played every two years, and golf is very chancy. So it would surprise you if the United States went on a similar run to what Europe has been on for the last 20 years. It wouldn't surprise me. You go to Vegas and you play roulette, and the chances are 50-50, but skewed towards the house a little bit. You flip a quarter, it would be very weird if the quarter flipped tails, heads, tails, heads, tails, heads. Then you would think something weird was going on. Same thing here. It would be very odd if it just flip-flopped every year between the United States and Europe because it's it's kind of random. So, one, I love that Cantlay made the team because I really love his story. But I just thought, like, any athlete actually understanding probability, is uh, that's like catnip for me.
3: All right, let's let's take a look at Team USA's captains picks. You'll tell me why this is important. Uh, Tony Finau, uh, Xander Xander Schoffel, excuse me, uh, Jordan Spieth, Harris English, Scotty Scheffler, and Daniel Berger. Uh, you know, obviously, I know a few of these names from the tour. Uh, what What is the relevance here for this?
4: Yeah, uh, so the the relevance is basically that these are the guys who who would not be automatic qualifiers, and a lot of people, you know, are are not necessarily going to agree with these picks. I I don't really love that Harris English was a captain's pick. You know, I think that um, thinking about these pairings in terms of like, okay, you know, we need to have guys, especially in the foursome right so that's when you are that's when you are playing the best ball so craig you and i go out and we're playing against uh we're playing against brett and we're playing against connell from from ltn you'd want you'd want one of us to kind of be a more high volatility style golfer where where, where maybe we're, we're going to make some sixes out there but the way that we play makes us a little bit more eligible to make birdies and i i feel like these selections were were kind of safe you know there were uh, some other European or some other Americans who I would have preferred to invite. You know, I think someone like Matthew Wolfe maybe would have been um, a good a good captain's pick. Uh, I think Kisner would have been a decent captain's pick. I also think Will Will Zalatoris to me should have been on this team. You know, for me, I I would have brought Will Zalatoris over Harris English. Um, everything else looks about right though, from from the United States perspective.
3: Okay, and, and here is the Team Europe automatic qualifiers. So we'll keep an eye on these: Paul Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tyrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, John Rahm. Of course, has to be on this team. Lee Westwood, and uh, and Weisberger is the uh, is the final one here. So uh, Davis, why why is the U.S. in a better spot this year over these guys in Team Europe?
4: I mean, it's it's pretty simple. If you just look at the official world golf rankings, the European guys, you know, look at uh, look at uh, someone like Wiesberger, for example. He is uh, the number 68 ranked player in the world. Harris English, who I just pointed out, is maybe one of the weak spots for the United States team, is 13th overall in the world. Uh, you know, look at someone like Lee Westwood. He is 36th in the world, you know, behind guys who got left out of the American team, you know, Kevin Na, 25th in the world. And, and basically if you just go down the rosters and you look at team Europe and you look at team USA, they just have a slightly lower quality of guy and, and their captains picks Shane Lowry, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia. I mean, Sergio Garcia has, has just not been a good golfer this year, um, playing way below his baseline. So I, I, I have wagered on Team USA. I do think they are much better. But again, I'm fully prepared to to eat that variance because, you know, someone like Ian Poulter, he just doesn't lose these singles matches when it comes to be Sunday.
3: Yeah, interesting. All right, so we'll keep an eye on the Ryder Cup action along with the NFL and, of course, college football. Speaking of which, we'll have a preview coming up next. We'll talk about two teams ranked in the top 25, Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Uh, also, the uh, the run for Arkansas does it come to an end this week, or can they upset the Aggies? We'll talk about that next here on Sports make sure you download the Twitter app and follow us at fourth grid and at sports grid TV for the very latest news notes, information, and of course, picks against the spread each and every day, whether it is the early line, the morning after, of course, fantasy sports today, Scott Farrell's coast to coast, Gabe Moran, C cam Stewart. All of our hosts are talking 18 hours a day live. And if you're not watching, just download the app and you can see def- different clips throughout the day on sports grid and at sports grid TV. Well, Last week Davis, we had a amazing college football schedule. There was, you know, game after game. The Saturday night game between Auburn and Penn State, Florida taking on Alabama. Uh, other games I was keeping an eye on as well. I don't have the same excitement this week, but there are at the very least I think two really good games between top 25 teams. Unfortunately, it, it's like some cupcake city for some of the bigger teams this week, but uh, I don't I don't have that same vibe going into the week. I don't know about you.
4: No, I I would call this uh, this is an apple picking Saturday. You know, your uh, your significant other, your your girlfriend, your fiance, your wife wants to do something with the kids, wants to go pick some pumpkins, wants to you know do that. This is a pretty ideal Saturday to do it because it does not look like we have a, a particularly enticing menu of games here in in college football week four. You know, we have some of the bad in conference games right you know oklahoma is playing west virginia ohio state is playing akron uh you know i i don't think alabama plays this week i think this is alabama's bye week the southern miss there you go so it's just it's just like you know we're, we're not we're not going to be missing that much uh of course now if you if, uh, if you want to stay in and watch there will be college football to watch but not necessarily a marquee weekend
3: yeah florida tennessee is is my game of choice this weekend um i actually like some of the smaller school games this week i'm trying to get some games ready for the contest uh but um okay so let's so let's take a look at at least what what's considered to be the marquee games i would consider two games to be marquee games this week the first one will be played in madison between the notre dame fighting irish and wisconsin badgers oh they're playing that game in chicago oh okay cool Um, So neutral site game, excuse me on that. Thanks for correcting me, Brett. Uh, Right now, Wisconsin is minus six and a half against Notre Dame. The money line, if you want to take Notre Dame to win the game outright, $100 will get you back 198 The total is 46 and a half at minus 114. Uh, Look, I've made it perfectly clear here on this show that if Notre Dame is a favorite, you have my interest to fade them. As an underdog, I, I may feel a little bit different. I just I'd never take uh, Notre Dame as a favorite. Uh Wisconsin, uh I you know, I'm not even sure they're really that good. The total is interesting to me here at 46 and a half because I, I've been watching these big ten games, Davis, and they are slog fests. It's a lot of running, a lot of defense. But boy, a college game going under 46 and a half is dicey. That's probably the only way I would look here is under 46 and, and a half.
4: Yeah, uh, I actually think this might be a spot where I like the Notre Dame Fighting Irish because Wisconsin, to be to be honest, they are playing like 1940s football. They have zero passing touchdowns through two games. Now they have ran for 263 yards. Uh, their their lead running back Ches Malusi, 51 carries, 265 yards. Their backup running back has been doing well. They do not have a rusher at quarterback, but you are, you are hundred percent right. This is going to be a, a bad football game, which is part of why, you know, when the, um, when the marquee game of a slate involves a big 10 team, I'm just like, I'm, I'm out. It's just like, what's, what's the point? I, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't, I don't like even I, I won't have an apple picking Saturday here. I will be watching these games probably cause I don't have anything on my agenda, but I just am not interested in this game. Like, this is just not going to be a fun game to me. I would rather watch, you know, Oklahoma, West Virginia. I'd rather, uh, o- Oklahoma State has uh, a, a pretty good game. You know, Clemson, yeah, NC State. You know, I literally yeah, would rather do. watch those.
3: Yeah, I actually told my wife this is a good week to go out, so let's figure it out. I think we will. Um, okay, so now, now this is probably the best game of the week, I think at least. Texas A&M at Arkansas. The uh, Aggies are minus five and a half. It's going to be nuts in Fayetteville because let's be honest, the Razorbacks have not been good in a while. And, and this year they appear up here to be good. Again, uh, SEC teams do get a lot of love. Arkansas, I believe, was unranked to start the season. But after a couple of weeks, they've, they've squeaked into the top 20. The total is 47 and a half. Uh, look, Texas A&M last year, Davis, right outside that four. But their starting quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, is out for the season. And, and they have not been able to score, almost at all. Their defense is probably the best in the SEC. Probably number one. Ah, Georgia could be number one. Let's call them number two in the SEC, which is so rare, by the way, for Texas A&M. But Jimbo Fisher is now the coach there. Uh, Arkansas is is definitely playing with house money in front of an insane crowd at home. But, Davis, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, am I putting my money on the Razorbacks, counting on the turnaround like that like that it's here because if they win this game guess who's in the top 10 next week it's arkansas
4: yeah and uh you are you are right about the eggies. so they played uh, they played one game against a team from the mac they played one game against a team from the mountain west in those games they scored 41 points and 34 points so you're thinking all right we got some offense we're scoring some points and then they played uh, a neutral game against Colorado who is a middling Pac-10 team and that game was 10 to 7. So the the idea that the Texas A&M is going to struggle to score points uh does seem pretty legitimate. Not not as much the case for Arkansas who has done a little bit better. They played a game against Texas, they blew them out 40 to 21, 45 to 10 against Georgia Southern, 38 to 17 against Rice. Now this is the part of the season where we start learning about teams, right? That's one of the interesting things about college football is kind of the first month of the season functions as the preseason for a lot of these teams, right? You know, uh, Oklahoma played uh, who they play. They played Liberty, they played or no, they played Tulane, and they played like Western Colorado School of Mining, AM, and you know, whatever, like just some some small little piddly podunk school. And then Oklahoma, they they look terrible against Nebraska. I mean, they they almost. They almost lost that game. Spencer Rattler looked terrible. So I think based on the information we have, it just feels safer to take the underdog given that we think our, uh, Texas a and is going to struggle to score and Arkansas already has one marquee win over the University of Texas, who we thought might be good after their result um, against Louisiana, against the Ragin' Cajuns. And then they blow Rice out in week three. But again, you know, we're not learning anything from Texas against Rice.
3: Yeah. And Texas, after the Arkansas game, they switched quarterbacks too. So yeah, it's kind of going on all around college football. Another, this is probably another under for me, another game where there's not going to be a lot of scoring. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the quarterback for Texas AM got hurt in the game against Colorado. And uh, I think they were up 10 uh, nothing and didn't score the rest of the game after the first quarter. So I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what they have to bring to the table. Usually, these SEC schools have pretty good uh, you know backups today. Um, okay, West Virginia Mountaineers at the Oklahoma Sooners. This is the one that you'll be watching, Davis. And boy, they are really generous with the Sooners. I gotta tell you, minus 17 and a half in this game. And it just goes to show you that they, the books have to protect themselves, Davis, against Oklahoma. They just know that people are going to bet them. You can't make Oklahoma 10-point favorite. <laughs> you just can't do it. Everyone will bet them. Uh, look, if you think West Virginia has a shot to win the game, you can get plus 590. They're coming off an amazing win last week at home over Virginia Tech. The total is and a half, minus 110. West Virginia's quarterback, Davis, is not very good. He almost no, gave not. the game away last week. I mean, literally, I, I think he threw an interception on his own 10 third and nine with two minutes left in the game and they were winning like they, they, they're not great but that but you go to Morgantown they don't lose like West Virginia is amazing at home they always play well it's just a matter of if they can keep this game close this is a big problem if Oklahoma goes up big in this game but can I trust the Sooners?
4: uh yeah uh no wait I don't know why I just said that no of course you can't I that was that was uh that was total impulse by me to hear Oklahoma and say yes no I I I love Oklahoma. I've watched Oklahoma college football. Like some of my very first memories of football are of watching uh, the Josh Heupel 2001 Oklahoma Sooners winning the national championship against Florida State. Spencer Rattler just look. I'm I'm sorry. I wish that he was better. He's not. I mean, uh, he's gonna make three throws against West Virginia. That you go. What did he possibly see there? He had one throw last week against Nebraska where it must have looked wide open to him. And he threw a pass that was so bad that by the time it got to the wide receiver, there were three Nebraska defenders in between the ball and in between the guy who Rattler was targeting. And and honestly, they got very lucky to escape that game with the win. You know, it never looked like they were going to cover like pretty much the entire game. It looked like uh, Nebraska was going to cover Now, granted, Nebraska, pretty good defense. But 17 and a half points is a lot, especially because I would imagine that West Virginia is not really going to have any trouble running the ball. They have this guy, Letty Brown, who is their lead running back, who just, I mean, absolutely stomped Virginia Tech uh, in, in week three in their game last week. I think he had like 150 yards and three touchdowns. But I I would, I mean, I don't know if I can confidently say bet seven, plus 17 and a half for West Virginia. But I, I, as, as someone who really likes Oklahoma football, 0% not a chance in my betting. Mine is 17 and a half.
3: See, this to me, this game right here, is the perfect live betting game. I, I think that after watching the first half of this game, you're going to know if Oklahoma's going to blow the doors off them or not. Uh, I think West Virginia's going to have a really hard time scoring a- against Oklahoma. But I want to see if the Sooners can move the ball up and down the field in the first half. You're right. They did not play well against Nebraska. So I'm not convinced to take the 17 in this game. I'll just pass on it completely. All right, coming up next, I would love to pass on this game tonight. My gosh, Carolina and Houston. Uh, Not the best Thursday night football game, but we're going to go through it. Point spread, fantasy, all of it next.
0: ...done between Caesar Sportsbook and the Louisiana State University. Seven-year, multi-million dollar deal for all of the 21 men's sports at LSU. Signage at Tiger Stadium, the Tiger Skyline Club for the Boosters. A whole host of positive revenue experiences for the students 21 years old and older for gaming. But also, one of the first of its kind, a mammoth gaming deal with the university especially in the SEC. Not only will football and the Maravich Center, basketball help, but all of the 21 sports in the university's programs. Very significant deal for the university and a trend for schools to come. Sports professor Rick Haro, Daily Numbers Game. Great,
2: great.
3: Christian McCaffrey, fantasy owners, are going to be locked into tonight's game, thinking they're going to eat big time as the Carolina Panthers visit the Houston Texans. It is Thursday night football, and of course, here on SportsGrid, in game live has you covered, going through all of the player props, the point spread, the total, everything. So you can catch that tonight right here on SportsGrid. But Uh, Bottom line, Davis here, is that Houston has been way better than anybody would have anticipated. They have a win. They have a cover. They are 2-0 against the spread. Carolina also looks fantastic. That is true as well. And then when they make the spread, they make it tough on you. That's that's kind of the way it looks to me here. So Carolina is going to be more than a touchdown favorite. You cannot make it less, or the world will take uh, the Panthers. So it makes sense that on FanDuel, I think it's come down from 8 to 7.5. A little extra juice on Carolina. Money line, if you dare, take Houston. You can get 3-1 to one on your money in one game. That's pretty good. And the total is 43.5. Uh, look, one team is finally going to lose a game against the spread tonight. And, uh, you know, it, th- this one is just so, so difficult for me. I was talking about this Davis on the morning after. It's like I went back. I tried to look at as, as much Davis Bills data as I could. And then it's like you're looking at last year. He played five games. You know it was a short college football season. Um, you watched, you know, last week, and and I'm sure you know for all the work you're doing, you, you've dove into this one too. Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, the fa- the fantasy interest is there for me. The the prop interest is there for me, but, but this seems like a hard game to call.
4: It does. Uh, it against the spread. It does. Now the what I find much more interesting about this game is the carolina panthers as a road favorite uh for survivor because i think most uh, as of right now 41 percent of entries in uh the big pool that i play in have selected the denver broncos i basically hate to take the the most selected team on any given week like i i don't uh you know i don't i don't want that the the hook here also makes it interesting because you have to ask yourself how are the panthers going to approach this game you know is this a game where they are gonna you know kind of want to showcase how much they've been able to improve with sam darnold and this uh this might surprise you do you know the number one team in DVOA right now by football outsiders which is something that i use to to bet on games all the time it's the Carolina Panthers. If you add up DVOA on offense, DVOA on defense, and DVOA on special teams, the team that has been the best over league average in all of those areas has been the Carolina Panthers. Uh, that that would be that's very surprising to me. I saw that this morning. I was legitimately shocked. And I think we might be overstating a little bit how competent the Texans have been because they are they one. I think the Jaguars are just way worse than we realized at the beginning of the season. So I think that. The Texans could win three games with one of their wins being over the Jaguars. And then we look back at the end of the season and we go, oh, well, the Jaguars were just terrible. They you know, they fired Urban Meyer after nine games. Trevor Lawrence doesn't look as good as we thought he was. The defense makes no improvements. LaVisca Schnult and DJ Shark don't take a step. You know, I, I think that is a real outcome where the Jaguars are actually one of the biggest dumpster fires of the season. And to be clear, they covered against the Browns But that game was never in doubt. I mean, not for one second of that Browns game did I think that it was possible that the Texans were going to win that game, especially after Tyrod got injured, right? Because Tyrod through six quarters was playing pretty well, and Davis Mills did not look anywhere near that confident. I I actually think... Tyrod is kind of one of those guys who gets historically underappreciated because he's played for so many bad teams, but he never turns the ball over. He runs pretty well. He avoids pressure. He doesn't take sacks. He avoids negative plays. Not near as confident Davis Mills is going to avoid those negative plays. So I I am on uh, the Panthers here, minus 7.5, and and I I also like them as my survivor pick this week.
3: Yeah, you know, the thing is, is um, you're right about that game against Cleveland. But there was almost no doubt that the Texans were going to cover that game throughout from from jump, you know, from the beginning of the game. And so it's just a matter of, of, of can you stomach a certain amount of points? And, and look, I thought I look, I did not think the Texans were going to go and 17. It's just I've I've seen this this movie before and I know how it ends and they're going to still win some games. But I did not think they'd be 2-0 and against the spread to start the season. And I was on Cleveland last week. Um So I'm not going to tempt fate again tonight uh, on this game at all. All right, let's go through the uh, the anytime touchdown scores. Much better bets, I think, to make on FanDuel tonight. Uh, We got Christian McCaffrey. This is this is not worth your time. At minus 360. So let's go through the ones that are. DJ Moore, 100 to win 150 bucks. Brandon Cooks, 100 to win 185 dollars. Robbie Anderson, who I like on the total tonight over. He's plus 180 to score. Mark Ingram plus two hundred to score, but yet Lindsay does get some goal line carries, and then Terrace Marshall is plus three forty. We'll go through some some deeper odds here, Davis, some long shot ones in just a second. But of these, is there a one you like more than another?
4: Well, you know, I definitely am not betting any texans anytime touchdown scores because i think it's very possible they don't score a touchdown in this game or score one touchdown in this game and i don't think you're getting good numbers here at all like plus 186 for brandon cooks plus 200 for mark ingram not only is that saying that the texans probably score multiple times but it's saying that those guys are really likely to be their touchdown scores and one thing you see on bad teams is they end up distributing their touchdowns to lots of different players because what does it matter? Uh, you know, it's it's like they they don't owe touches to anyone. Whereas it's the exact opposite with the Panthers. We know exactly where their touchdowns are coming from. You know, probably 70% of their touchdowns this season are going to be scored by Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Like you said, you know, maybe you throw the McCaffrey anytime touchdown in a parlay or something to juice it up a little bit. But DJ Moore at plus 150, pretty interesting to me. I, you know, he was one of the guys at the beginning of the season. I said, I think this guy can probably be one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. I think he's going to be going you know, where A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb went in drafts this last year. I, I just have always believed that D.J. Moore is that good, and with Sam Darnold playing this well, that is looking pretty legit. So I, I think D.J. Moore and Terrace Marshall are both good anytime touchdown bets. Marshall playing a lot, about 70% of the snaps through two games, remember, Marshall played at LSU with Joe Brady. I I, I like him a good bit.
3: Yeah, hey, I you know I, I you know you just mentioned Joe Brady. I probably mention this every show. I mentioned on the morning after. I mean he must have had bad interviews, Davis, in the offseason. I don't know what happened for him to interview with five teams and not get a job. I mean if he, I, I mean to me he's the number one guy I want running a team. I mean Carolina looks good now. Uh, really amazing to me. Um, OK, now uh, let's look at the anytime touchdown score. Uh, I, I would not bet your $100 on David Johnson tonight at plus 360. So let, let's talk about some others. Philip Lindsay at plus 380. Dan Arnold plus 420. I, you know, Chuba Hubbard, I don't I don't I mean, look, I like Chuba Hubbard, Davis, you know that. But I would have Royce Freeman at plus 4, 430 and not Hubbard. Freeman played way too much for my liking last week. Sam runs one in five to one, Jordan Aikens, five to one. I'm going to stop there. I mean, I I think that's anything else you're doing is taking a dart and throwing it. You're probably doing that here too, but at least there's some, some reasonable predictability here with these.
4: Yeah. uh, So Chuba Hubbard last week, he got eight rushes uh, and a target. He played on 19 snaps, four snaps for Royce Freeman. I, I think that the, correlation you'd be looking at here would be if you do if so if you are on the panthers minus seven and a half if you do think that the texans are going to be bad in this game if you do think that davis mills is going to be a disaster i actually think hubbard looks like a uh, a fairly interesting bet if you really wanted a dart if you were really looking at a dart uh, I, I would imagine that FanDuel has Brandon Zylstra listed at like 7 or 8 to 1 for an anytime touchdown. He did catch the touchdown last week, played 18% of the snaps, was functioning as the fourth wide receiver for the Panthers, and he is a big guy. Uh, he is 6'2", 220 pounds, so kind of fits more of that red zone role than someone like Robbie Anderson. So if, if you really, really were looking at a dart, that would be the dart that I would throw okay
3: finally let's take a look at davis mills we, we can't go have a quarterback named davis and not talk about him more here on the show and and i know that davis you're hoping for you you have to be rooting for davis i mean same name i mean it's how rare is this to have this happen um pass attempts this is the one that i think i, I think you could surmise a little bit the total is 31 and a half at minus 114 and the under is, is minus is uh, 31 at the same odds. So you're risking $114 to win 100. Mills, last time he went over this number, you go back to the last game of Stanford last year, he attempted 47 passes uh, in less, less than a year ago. And, and, and there were some games, by the way, where he did not throw 31 passes in a game in college too. But I would say this. I don't know who he is, how good he is, or what he's going to do. But I certainly am of the opinion, Davis, that I don't think Houston cares about this player. No disrespect to Davis Mills. I think they're just going to let it fly. I mean, what, what what are they playing for here in this game? I mean, are they really going to play this let's run the ball and, you know, try to win by three? It's not the way they've been playing in their first two games, at least what I saw against Jacksonville and Cleveland. I mean, they had this guy Mills constantly throwing once he came in the game. In fact, I think the first couple of snaps he took, I think he fumbled one, got sacked on another. So ugly is good sort of for overs here. And unless he gets hurt, I mean, I I don't, I don't see why not, man. I I don't see why I wouldn't go over 31 and a half.
4: Yeah. They just have been very run heavy. Uh, So they threw 29 passes in their first loss. Uh, That was to the Browns. And then of course in the win uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tyrod threw 33 passes. So it, it seems close given that uh given that i do think that probably the panthers win this game that they're up by quite a bit you know you can just see McCaffrey scoring you know a 10 yard touchdown on the first drive and they pretty much never relinquish the lead i, I do feel like you probably have to go over the, the way you would lose this bet weirdly enough would be if mills throws a bunch of interceptions and the panthers just have their foot on the gas the whole way and they're just running with McCaffrey, and they have these eight minute drives like that is definitely going to be bad for the Davis-Mills overpassing attempts, but I I certainly would rather bet the over than the under.
3: Did I miss anything in tonight's game? Is there any other player of interest, season-long league, uh, prop bet? Is there anything I didn't cover that you you wanted to mention here on the show? If so, this is the time.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess one of the interesting things is that Robbie Anderson was being drafted pretty high in fantasy leagues, you know, fifth, sixth round. Really has not been utilized much through two games. He has four receptions. He scored the 57-yard touchdown on his only reception in week one, but DJ Moore is doubling him up on targets. He's got 19 targets. Robbie Anderson has nine. Terrace Marshall has nine. Of course, Christian McCaffrey always going to get his targets, 15 targets, and 14 receptions for McCaffrey. So I would view this as a spot for us to learn something more about Robbie Anderson's role. Also, another thing is that He has not been getting any of those easy slot snaps. He was getting a lot of slot snaps last year. Slot snaps give us a lot of easy receptions. He's basically got none of those this season. So Robbie Anderson, a guy to pay attention to his role tonight for sure because he could be in a not very friendly fantasy role.
3: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, You know, earlier I I was saying that I think he goes over that 44 and a half because I think that they go back to the drawing board here and say, hey, let's not forget about this guy. Now, if I'm completely wrong about that and he does nothing again tonight, I think that's it. I mean, I, I think, I mean, he's probably still a, a good player, but there'll be no effort to get him the ball if it does not happen tonight. Reminds me a little of Evans last week. I wonder if if they make some plays to get him more involved tonight, which is why I like the over on his work, 44 and a half. Okay, uh, coming up next, we'll wrap up the first hour of the show. Huge announcement for a show that a lot of us watched last year. On Netflix, we'll talk about that. We've got the update coming up at the top of the hour, of course, a preview of what you can bet tonight on the Underdog app, and we'll preview the game with uh, Antoine Staley, covers the Panthers. Be right back. A little bit over a year ago, a lot of you were like me and Davis sitting home in our houses with not much to do, waiting for a pandemic to end, and a lot of us locked into streaming options. Davis, one of those options was Tiger King, and naturally it was the most popular thing streaming because it was the only thing streaming at the time. Good timing for them. Uh, Tiger King 2 now coming to Netflix. Will it have the same effect that Tiger King one had, which was basically the main talking point on everything for about two months.
4: I feel like no, right. That I feel like, I feel like people will watch it, but it's just, it's not going to be the cultural phenomenon that it was because it's just, we're, we're in a much different place, right? We got live sports. We got baseball. We got basketball. We got football. We got college football. We got tennis. We got the Ryder cup. Like all of these things are, happening um you know that just were not happening like literally we were sitting in our houses last april i was learning how to gamble on video games on on you know league of legends and stuff like that and uh i i just gotta be honest i don't have a ton of nostalgia for that time frame uh you know that uh, that time of my life so i i'll probably watch it uh, but I, I can't imagine you know that i'll be like tweeting about it or anything and there also you know regular tv production has resumed there are shows that have been made over the last 18 months while we've been in this, uh, you know, this new world that we've been living in. So I, I can't imagine that it ends up being super popular.
3: Yeah. And I think you nailed it, uh, for me too. Like anything that had to do with that three month or four month period where we were locked up, I, I don't know, man, like that was a dark time for everyone and to have to revisit anything that was going on during that time, outside of me getting back into sports cards beyond that, um, not much that that i would go back to and say uh yeah let let me revisit that time and what was going on during that time like like during that time we were revisiting nostalgia from previous times not during that time so i'll check it out probably but not nearly as interesting as i thought i would be a year ago all right we got the update with chris at the top of the hour we'll be right back here on sports grid for hour two
0: Sports happens every day, and we give you expert insights and information on gaming, Odds and more. Every Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me.